This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Pat's on vacation, so Mitch Belial will step into the co-host chair. Joe Rezateritz had childhood dreams of being Casey Powell. Now young American boys and girls will dream of being Buffalo Joe. Toronto and Albany still remain undefeated, and we got another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. Ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire, my name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Flips it to Berg, now to Stotson and Iso. Gets underneath, and he scores! You said it! The four-on-four benefits San Diego. They do such a good job in the two-man game, and Stotts gets underneath as well as anyone in the NLL. Eventually make its way to Del Bianco. As that was Charlie Bird trying to struggle to control it. Now up to for Simpson scores! Shane Simpson in transition strikes again. 7-5 Calgary. And what a pass from Del Bianco. Put it right on the button for Simpson. Oh, very nice. Shoulder stop rolls. Oh, what a save! Nick Rose to Rob with a little windmill. He's coming late. Coming late is Connor Robinson and he wins it! Another big hopper for Connor Robinson! And Colorado has got their first win of the year! Walker now spins back on Barnable. Room to shoot and he scores! Ball game, Ethan Walker ends it. Albany 4-0 to start the season. Shot from way out! And getting a piece was Warren Hill. Here's Reston Terrence again. Nice pass. Shot they score. It's over. It is over, Philly. A dramatic come from behind overtime victory here in Halifax. What's good, everybody? Happy New Year. And welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast here on where are we? SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, yeah, indeed. Happy 2024. Those are just some of the sounds from the past weekend of games and a huge weekend for Joe Rez and the Philadelphia Wings. We'll talk with Joey Rez, Buffalo Joe, later on in the show as he has become the all-time leading American point-getter in NLL history. Where does that stand up with some of the other greats in our league? Well, maybe we'll ask our guest host this week, Mitch Blouse. Patty is on holidays with the fiancé, uh, and so Mr. Luxurious joins us. How are you, brother? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to fill in. Uh, you know, my hair is not as perfectly coiffed as your normal co-host, but I'm um, feeling good to at least keep his seat warm for the week. Is it coiffed or quaffed? Well, his is probably quaffed. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find Mitch on Twitter at mbelisle85. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. I'm at Teddy Jenner. If you want to let Patty know you miss him, at P. Greggy. And we're also on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Uh, what did you get up to over the holidays? How was your New Year's? Did you uh, celebrate like it was 1999? You know, I my parents live in Ithaca, New York. They bought and run a bed and breakfast. Shout out Thomas Farm Bed and Breakfast. They uh, they run that right in Ithaca. So we typically go up there for, for Christmas and actually left the boys up there. So I've got a five-year-old <laughs> and a seven-year-old went up there. And then my wife and I came back and had the week between Christmas and New Year's to – we worked, but, you know, had some date nights and got yeah. to have a little uh, alone parent time, which is a rare thing. So the house was very quiet for that week. 
um, and then and then brought them back and had a big neighborhood party on the on the uh, the New Year's New Year's Eve, and even the uh, the seven year olds made it up to midnight. So it was exciting. <laughs> Um, just for, you know, in case there's any law enforcement listening, when you say you left them at the cabin, your parents will st- were still there, right? You didn't just yes, leave yes, a five and seven yes. year old in the cabin. We called it, yeah, we called it Camp Thomas Farm. So right. it is now a thing. Um, they're taking enrollments for the 20, uh, the 2024 <laughs> right now. Um, obviously, you uh, a new year for yourself, for the family, uh, but also Trilogy Lacrosse, uh, the company you've been with for the past few years. Um, how is that going and how have you seen the growth over the last you know couple of years that we've been chatting? Things are great. Yeah, appreciate you asking. I mean, we're we're 2023 was our best our best year ever, um, quite frankly. And I think, you know, doing things the right way through COVID kind of set us up for success over the last few years. And um, and people are just excited to be back out on the field. We've got a lot of unique programming. We do stuff with high school teams in March out in Arizona and Florida. We do a lot of stuff with clubs in the summer. And, and right now we're right in the, the thick of things with our NJ Sixers box program, which has grown quite a bit. So Ryan Boyle and I, speaking of great American lacrosse players mm-hmm. and, and Ryan Boyle, getting we get to work together and um, we kind of fire back up after a little break for the holidays. So excited to to get back out in the rink three times uh, this weekend. We got Friday, Saturday practice, and then Sunday, Sunday games this weekend. So it should be a big week of box for me and the NJ Sixers boys. Um, it was funny. Patty and I were talking about this. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Do you think that there's going to have to be an uptick in sixes events as we lead towards the Olympics? Like, are we going to start to see some like showcase events or some just like friendly scrimmages between the Americans and Canadians and Haudenosaunee? Like you would have to think that they're going to have to start to do something like that to build up interest ahead of LA 28. It has to. I mean, and you and and players have to play it, right? Yeah. Not only do you need to get the interest, but you you got to get reps in, and you yeah. can't just do that in the World Games or, or the um, the World Championships like they yeah. did a few a few summers ago. But like they're gonna, I think there's gonna start to be more and more of that at the top level that'll then trickle down. You know, it'll yeah. be very interesting the college dynamic because of recruiting because of how kind of the college still is the pinnacle of lacrosse college lacrosse is still the pinnacle of lacrosse for most american families mm-hmm. um like yeah how does that plan because now theoretically you would hope that the olympics takes over that top spot but but still that college dream has kind of always been the the golden goose so to speak for american families thinking like oh this is my this is my kid's path forward is to play college across now it's like well actually you can play in the olympics um, but it's a slightly different format. I, I think there has to be some kind of, you know, unification between the PLL and the NLL to, to make a sixes, a joint sixes um, push, because it, it just, like you said, it has to happen to get the interest, to get the reps, to get the understanding of the sport. And so guys like me and you can call it so we can get ready for yeah, exactly. hey, We got to get our reps in too, right? Um, do you, we, we've seen colleges in the past, um, kind of start to implement a little more box and like high schools are sort of implementing a little more box into their winter sessions and stuff like that. Do you think the ease of already having field nets and you can kind of shorten a, a, an outdoor field college teams might start to run some sixes um, just to kind of get the guys going or, or just feel the need to play sixes? Yeah. If nothing else, I, I think there's a lot of really good elements to the sixes. Mm. Like the, yeah. 
the only using short sticks. I really love the like the not running out a shot, even though that was my specialty. Was the, only <laughs> I got. the only turnovers I got were beating guys to the to the end line on yeah. missed shots. But I think it really puts a lot of pressure on your offense, right? It's like you got to hit the net or yeah. don't take a shot. You got to wait for a good shot or don't take it. So I could see that element of it, especially like the value of possessions. Um, being something the college coaches start to see and maybe incorporate some of those elements into it. All right, that was a good little New Year's tangent. I uh, appreciate that because, because like I said, we've we've been talking about that for a while, and it definitely has to be something that does see an uptick as we get closer from, like you said, a joint NLL PL level, PLL level to the next generation of kids that are you know, hopefully going to be playing it in the Olympics. They're going to need the reps. They're going to need to start playing it. So it'll be interesting to see what World Lacrosse and all the heavy hitters do uh, to get it to that point. Week five in the National Lacrosse League uh, was a special one. What a way to end the year. Maybe one of the most exciting weekends in lacrosse I've seen in quite some time. Three overtime games, uh, a couple blows, but everything was fairly close. What was maybe your biggest storyline out of week five? I mean, it's hard not to go back to Albany week in and week out. It's just mm-hmm. I, I tuned in for the, the back half of that game. And, and you know, I saw that the Ethan Walker goal, which was like a carbon copy of one of his early goals, the overtime mm-hmm. winner. They kind of just sloughed off, let him have too much space. And I, that team, it's just like the belief that that team has in itself. It's kind of like playing with house money. No one expects this to be that good. It's just yeah. – you get you just love that story it's like it's, it's so sports right it's like no one expects us to win and here we are four and oh going into to the the next week of the season i i just i love it and glenn clark is just such a great motivate motivator i love talking lacrosse with him so mm-hmm. for him to have that success too just makes me really happy well i had them four and oh according to my hot take a couple weeks ago <laughs> but that is a completely different story the Toronto rock are also undefeated at three and oh is this – I know a lot of people – and I want to get your thoughts on the unified standings uh, in a minute. We'll kind of just do that here. A lot of people feel that Toronto will be the biggest benefit of the unified standings because they won't have to face a, a Buffalo or they may not have to face a Buffalo or a Halifax or somebody, one of those true legendary Eastern you know, foes. In that first or second round, they might not have to face them till the end of the year. But is this Toronto team looking like a team that can go all the way, despite of who they play? You know, it's always comes down to so much comes down to consistency and injuries. But the way they're playing right now, they, they don't even have Tom Schreiber and they're just yeah. absolutely electric on offense. I mean, Rosie is just he's exceptional and you know you you take someone who doesn't know lacrosse or doesn't know the box game and you show them nick rose and they're like really this guy's one of the best professional athletes and then you see the save he makes on matisse i was watching that game live i was like oh here's a goal at least the yeah, 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 yeah. and then i was like are you kidding me rosie he has these like flashes of cat-like reflexes and just plays his angle so well yeah. I mean, when you have him in net, he's just so confident. And then guys like like Mitch DeSnew, his ability to pick off passes clean, not just knock them down, pick off passes, and then usually it results in transition with a goal at the other end because of the weapons they have coming out of the back end. It's just from top to bottom, they're so balanced, so deep. Oh, yeah, Mark Matthews, don't forget about him. Yeah. Dan Lindner, don't forget about him. Like they're just like it just it's like a top to bottom, everything fits. It's 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 fun to watch in terms of uh, it's got to be fun for Toronto fans. That's for sure. 
Uh, Tom Schreiber is now dad strength times two as he and his wife uh, welcomed their latest child into the world just before the new year. Uh, you're our American insider. Do we see him back anytime soon? I think so. I know, you know, I know he was battling injuries um, kind of towards the tail end of the PLL season and even to the tail end of the NLL season. So it's, it's been an up and down journey for him health wise. And then obviously, you know, two kids is kind of what made my, uh, my career seem to take a little bit of a uh, permanent hiatus. Cause it's yeah. like, you just, you just, there's only so much time in the day and to, to be at the elite level in these leagues that you need to be, you have to put in so much time. And um, kids also apparently are very demanding. Of time. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> but I, you know, I would be shocked if, if he's not, if he's not back in the mix, you know, as soon as he's healthy, because he loves a game and he's the yeah. best player in the world. Yeah, he, he truly, it's unbelievable to think that they are three and oh, and he hasn't played a game yet. Uh, the other overtime games um, we talked about Albany Sask, um, Philadelphia over Halifax, uh, Jack Jasinski with the game winner. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card, but maybe an assist from Joey Rez was. And then the Colorado comeback over Vancouver as Connor Robinson ends it in overtime. Uh, we'll start with Joey Rez. As an American, where does this stand in the landscape of great American accomplishments in the sport of lacrosse? It's it's got to be up there and i really do feel like it's like a quiet mm -hmm. he's had i i mean i think it flew under the radar um and and i think maybe part of that is because casey powell is just so legendary and has has been out of the game playing wise for a little little while is kind of like one of those like you know the statuesque guys that you think of but yeah the fact that that you know not only is he the the american points record holder but has done is going to hit four 100 point seasons most likely this year you know assuming everything goes according to plan like he is just consistently de delivered and done it in a way that you know sometimes he's the go-to guy sometimes he's the the secondary guy that's distributing the ball um so I, I it's it's amazing i think he's kind of snuck up on this almost yeah but, but the actual feat in itself is is unbelievable yeah i, I... I was very close to making my hot take uh, this week that he is one of the most underrated players in lacrosse history just because of what you said and, and how quiet this was in a league landscape. Like, there's only 38 guys ahead of him. He's going to pass Ryan Ward probably this weekend. He'll pass Derek Miloski shortly. Um, he'll get to Patty Manalena and Billings and Beerns. Uh, Hellier's always still playing, but he could, you know, pass Paul Gate and, and Caleb Toth if he continues this run. Like, you, I think the one point you made where he doesn't have to be the number one guy and he's still doing this on a consistent basis is just incredible. And uh, I, I look forward to our conversation with him. It's going to be fantastic. He, he is one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, Buffalo Joe, now your all-time leading American point getter, six hundred and 75 points in 167 games for a 4.04 points per game average. And just to put that into perspective, uh, Casey Powell had a 4.92 points per game rate. So a few less games, almost as many points now as the all-time leading scorer, Joe Rez. Um, what did you make of Colorado-Vancouver? I mean, the atmosphere there, just, just hearing that crowd is like that, that, that to me was the most exciting part is like when, when they overturned that goal oh. in overtime 
I mean, you just heard, you, you got to imagine some people were probably trickling towards the exits and then yeah, they yeah. overturned it. Everyone goes nuts. But then when they actually scored the goal, it was like 10 times louder, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And, and you just, I, I personally feel for Vancouver. It's like, they can't, they can't catch a break. Right. It's like that you, you want that franchise. You need that franchise to be, to be strong. And I thought having Kurt Malowski there is a huge first step, but it, this is a league that every week in and week out, it could come down to a crease, uh, a foot being a tenth of a centimeter in the crease, <laughs> yeah. and that's what it came down to. But yeah, you know. I, I'm on the bus where that was the the goal was called a good goal on the floor, and I watched that replay frame by frame. I paused it. I zoomed in. I I just didn't think there was enough to overturn that. I thought it was going to be ruled inconclusive and it was going to be a good goal. But the refs obviously saw it differently than I did. But you're right, Vancouver, this is, I think, their fourth time since being the Warriors that they've blown a lead of six or more goals at one point in a game. And I don't want to say I saw it coming, but you just knew that there was still a ton of lacrosse to be played. And what Tyler Carlson did coming in to relief of Dylan Ward, who didn't make it 10 minutes in that game, uh, was phenomenal. TC was named player of the week this week uh, in the NLL. But in that statement, I just don't think Dylan Ward's 100% healthy. Obviously, he hurt himself uh, at the end of the PLL season. Um, he just doesn't look comfortable in some of his natural movements that he was making. He was let a lot of shots go uh, down in between the legs or around his legs, which normally he's pretty money with. Um, I don't know what they do. I, I It'll be interesting to see if he gets back in uh, this weekend against Buffalo because that's a massive game. But if he's not 100% healthy, it's good that they have a reliable guy in TC behind him. Yeah, drive the Cadillac out on the yeah. uh, on the turf. You know, you're like ready to go. But no, I, I agree. It seems like like Wardo, almost like he's like reaching down as opposed to dropping down. Not that he's a big yeah. flopper anyway, but he's he's such a high arc positional player. But it just seemed like he's like getting on those like ones that are like ankle high knee high like he's reaching down and missing it with his glove or not able to get enough on it so i agree it just doesn't seem like the the same dylan ward that that you know has propelled them to the two straight championship uh final finals but i what the thing for the for me the thing about this game is some of the kind of late goals by colorado were just such heads up plays like yeah. tyson gibson if you saw he kind of knocks the guy's stick down defenders stick down way off ball cuts and is wide open for a look um the game tying goal real i mclaughlin he like came around that double down seal it was like i don't know if they it was a drawn up player they were just kind of going through their standard offense like their standard sets offensively but it was just a beautifully drawn up play and then those guys shoot well from outside mm-hmm. robinson is just such a threat outside and that makes them really dangerous because then They've got the inside look. They've got the outside look, and they can get you guessing which you should be packed in or whether you should spread out. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunately Boldy just didn't have the stuff in the second half. He was lights out in the first half, didn't have it in the second half. Uh, Vancouver drops another heartbreaker, but a huge win for Colorado just to get their motors going. Uh, the Georgia Swarm are equally as hot in the National Lacrosse League dating back to last year. They've lost like three games of their last 12 or something ridiculous like that. Brett Dobson outdueling Matt Vince. But maybe the bigger story in that, the Bandits offense have only scored 33 goals through three games. I don't want to say championship hangover because we're now, you know, through the first month of the season. But this isn't an offense that, you know, 
They put Emerson Clark in. They didn't play Brad McCulley. Um, they're fairly healthy out the front door. It, I, I just don't know if, if teams are figuring them out or the, they're because they're just not seeming like the old wagon that we've seen to back-to-back championship finals and winning last year. To me, when it's good, it's unbelievably good. It's mm-hmm. tic-tac-toe, crisp passes. They know where the other guys are going to be. Um, but they also have so many number ones, like like Dane taking the ball, Byrne taking the ball, Kluchier can dodge, Boca can dodge. Yeah. So it's kind of like I think sometimes it, it's it's probably about timing of making sure everyone's getting their touches, they're getting their sets. And then when they find those extra passes, it's golden. When they don't, it can it can get stymied a little bit or, like you said, be a little easy to defend because you defend one guy, he dishes it off, then you defend another guy. It's like, yeah. But when they tic-tac-toe, move that ball quick – and and are cutting down the backside like you see that they're off ball cutting that's when they have the most success and it just doesn't feel like they're all kind of moving at the same time um with one initiator and then everyone moves one initiates yeah. it's it's almost two stop and start there but i think when they when they do get going it's it's a thing of beauty and they're they're pretty unbelievable which led to one of the goals of the week in Kyle Buchanan's one-handed backhand off a pass from Dane Smith, who is now 10th all-time in NLL history with 623 assists. He has 623 assists. Joey Rez, the all-time American point-getter, has 675 points. <laughs> yeah, the great Dane's been not even been doing it for that long either. He's yeah. got a lot across He was that. playing a lot of his uh, first part of his career at the back door. Just, just on what a five-year deal. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Ryan Banesh uh, moves into fifth all-time passing. Colin Doyle, as he uh, at a, oh sorry, he's now seven goals from passing Colin Doyle for fifth all-time. Uh, Dixon and Doby also closing in. So, could see some more milestones over the next few weekends in the National Lacrosse League. Um, Jesse King had nine points. Tyler Pace had six. Christian Del Bianco looking like CDB of old as Calgary rolls past Las Vegas and then Westburg drops nine and I think as Rochester knocks or sorry San Diego knocks off Rochester and Chris O'Riglieri looking a lot more comfortable in between the pipes now as a full-time starter he's getting a lot more confidence uh, I love the way Riley Hutchcraft battled in that game in the start obviously no Ryan Hartley it'll be interesting to see one how long he is out two if they have to rely on Hutch for a long time but I think if O'Rig uh, can really get comfortable between the pipes for San Diego. Uh, I think they will definitely be sort of the top team out of the former Western clubs to really make a push this year. I, I agree. And I think they, they've always kind of, it's always been that, right? It's like, what's going to happen? And that dates back to Shirley Honor days. But mm-hmm. I think they've gotten better defensively because they've always had the athletic, the Gobrex, the Danny Logans, the guys that are super athletic, but maybe a little less experienced, just being a lot of Americans, frankly. Yeah. Um, so as those guys, you know, become these like mid mid career veterans, then they start being leaders and understanding fully the game and knowing the scout on every team. I think that's what you're also seeing. That's that's supporting the goaltending as well, because the deep defense is is kind of growing up around them, around that crease. Um, and making a big difference. I mean, they're they're tough, they're physical, they can push and transition, and they're getting better and better in their settled five-on-five defense. As a, an American defender, what do you think of young Peyton Rosenka's game so far? I, I think, you know, it's trial by fire in this league, and you, you definitely get some uh, some bumps and some bruises, and you learn the hard way in some early games. But I think he's he's come a long way, and what a cool story being a local guy growing up playing 
in that in the college box series locally um mm-hmm. it's an amazing story but i think that's the, the kind of the long and short of it the only way you really learn in the nll is by going out and, and getting shifts in the nll and and i think he's done a nice job but but certainly has uh, has learned some tough lessons along the way what was your first tough lesson in the nll as, a, as an american defender do you remember um, I, you know, I think probably trying to defend Dan Dawson. I think there's actually a picture of it and he like leans into me and my, my cage is just flush. my nose is like poking out between the bars of my cage and I'm just almost backwards. And Dan Dawson's just leaning on me with a shoulder. Um, and I was like, wow, yeah, that's a, that's a big man right there. I think the Morgan brothers were also on that. This is Portland Lumberjacks. Oh yeah. 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 They have all three of them? Is like six, seven. Yeah, they were uh, Rich, Pete, and Dave, six, 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 eight, six, ten. Um, three brothers from Port Coquitlam. Uh, I played against all of them in junior and in the WLA. Those were some some very, very big men, and I don't know how anybody ever defended them, let alone go up against offensively against them. Yeah, yeah. Rich was on the uh, the the uh, sorry the Minnesota Swarm the yeah. last few years were in Minnesota, so I got to know him. Great. Just a great guy. But yeah, those yeah. guys were absolute trees. And uh, and then they had Brody, they had Dan Dawson went to, with the Portland Lumberjacks. So that was just a team of giant redwoods out there. Yeah, that was, uh, they had uh, Ray Guze out there too, the legend Ray Guze. Um, some uh, trade that happened a couple days ago, uh, Jordan Sturrows, who was picked up by Colorado, got just got flipped to Philadelphia for a third round pick as uh, Philly continues to get hit by the injury bug. How far can this Wings team go with these injuries that they're battling right now? Injuries are a tough one because, you know, depending, you, you got to have a next man up mentality, but you got to build that chemistry too. And so it's like someone steps up, do they stay in the, they stay in the lineup when someone comes back? But obviously they're, they're making some moves to backfill there. But realistically, it's like Zach Higgins is playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And offensively, if Mitch Jones can get back to, to late season form as last year, then it's kind of like you can, you can hide a lot of those issues um, as long as you have someone that's sustainable to, to plug in those those gaps that you have, but, but obviously you want to start building that chemistry. So you feel comfortable with your defense around Zach Higgins. All right. So let's look back at week five. We'll get to week six momentarily, but uh, as you know, as a longtime listener of the show, we do positive vibes only, and uh, we are going to keep things positive here in the show. We got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that positive vibes only. Uh, do you have a positive story of the week, Mr. B- Mr. Belisle? I do. I think uh, you got to look at the hometown hero story, which Alex Pace playing in front of hundreds of friends and family in Nova Scotia gets to score a, a transition goal. And, you know, I, I just that's a, it's a special thing to get to play in front of your friends and family and then to to get to do something special. I, you know, I, I, uh, don't want to make it all about me, 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 you know? <laughs> but I do remember the first, the first Blazers game at TD bank North garden. Um, it was actually that, that hit that I had on Jarrett park. That was the first Blazers game back. So I had all my friends, all my family there. You might have to, you might have to fact check me there, but I'm pretty sure that was at least I had a big, a big contingent of like growing up family friends. And, um, and so like, you know, to have everyone there and then something cool happens, it's, it's a pretty special feeling. So pretty, Fired up for Alex Pace. Probably a better way to go than decapitating someone to score a goal. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, it was January January tenth, two thousand nine. Oh no, that was at New York. It was the week later, the Titans game at home, January seventeenth. You guys lost thirteen to nine. Patty Madalena had the game winner from Mundorf and Powell. Don't remember those parts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, did, did that? Did that? We've talked about this many a time. But did that? Were you just salivating in the box as as this? timekeeper was getting released to you like did you see it develop in slow motion i think yes but also it's kind of like i feel like any big open field hit you're kind of like i oh, gonna see me i gotta you know i gotta pace myself i don't want to like run or make too much noise yeah um but yeah i was like oh this this might actually uh this might actually turn into a perfect storm here um do you remember your i was doing this game uh with a bunch of my former shamrock guys over the holidays um, using our Graham Perros NLLstats.com and just going back first game, first goal, stuff like that. Do you remember your first game in the NLL? I think my first game was was up in Portland at that Portland yeah. Lumberjacks. I yeah, that's true. Do you remember your first goal? I want to say it was against Philadelphia in Trenton, New Jersey, and I think I had two goals that game. Believe you, you did. Um, it doesn't say where the game was on the sheet. It was in Trenton, New Jersey, yeah. at this really cool arena. Actually, Rich Lisk used to be, uh, I think, the president of that hockey group that played out of there, the Trenton Thunder, maybe. That, but, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, let's see. Where did you? Well, when, you don't, when you don't score that many goals, Teddy, you, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got a shorthanded goal at uh, six oh nine of the second quarter uh, with assist uh, the magic man, Patty Madalena. And then you got another unassisted to start the fourth quarter, 11 seconds in. Look at you go. Must have been off the faceoff. Must have been. Just blazing speed from Mitchell. <laughs> um, I, I do love the story of Alex Pace. Um, I know he's had a couple of games uh, in Halifax, but this one just meant a little more as we heard from young Mackie Jenner. Uh, on the sideline saying that was his first game wearing a letter for the Wings back home. Um, so, yeah, just to be able to score that goal. And he did it at the end where all the family and friends were. So he's able to look up and see them all. They had the big heads and everything. It was just a, a very, very awesome scene. Uh, my positive vibe story this week is twofold. And we don't often give officials love and credit on the show because, you know, they're the evil demons of the sport. But two great stories from the official ranks this weekend. First off, in San Diego, Carmen Massell became the first female official to participate in an NLL game. Uh, she's been putting time and work up there in Alberta as a referee. She was a former player as well. So congratulations to her breaking that barrier. Um, I'm sure it won't be long until we see full-time female officials, but Carmen did a great job uh, as the scorer clock, shot clock operator in that game. And then on Sunday, Nick Dos Santos from BC became the youngest NLL referee at just 22 years old. Um, it was hilarious because we had been talking about it, and I actually was talking with Brian Lemon about this, and, and he kind of gave me the heads up this was happening. And I put the tweet out right before the game started, um, and he ends up making the first penalty call. Like, he wanted to get into it right away. He was looking for something. He called it. He got his face time right off the gate. Uh, young baby face Nick Dos Santos, uh, 22 years young, and Carmen Massell, the first female official in the NLL. Uh, two great, great positive vibe stories this week for me. 
What's uh, what's Todd LeBranch got? Like six hundred games under his belt, so he's yeah. got he's got plenty of years left to catch up to Todd. Although Todd's still doing it, yeah, he does. And Todd Todd gave him a nice shout out uh, after uh, on social media, saying that Nick handled himself like a veteran um, and was very confident out there. So awesome to see uh, the officials' rank continuing to grow because I know a lot of people gripe about NLL officiating. But over the weekend, the big story was Joe Rezateritz. He had a massive night as the Wings knock off Halifax in overtime. He passes the legend, the GOAT, Casey Powell, for the number one score American born in NLL history. And he joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. A big win for the Philadelphia Wings, a massive late season win for the Buffalo Bills. And Joe Rezateritz got to spend New Year's Eve with his girls. How are you, brother? Welcome back to the show. Good. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Um, how was New Year's for you? Uh, obviously, it was a busy weekend of travel and, and everything going on, but uh, a great way, way to end 2023 for you. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's, it was a great win. They need to win, and um, they've been kind of driving me nuts this season, so uh you, you never know what team's going to show up. It's been kind of the writing on the wall with the Bills this year, but um, they won. It wasn't pretty. Um, hopefully, they can figure it all out because they have a huge game on you know Sunday night. So hopefully, uh, whatever's going on, they just somehow forget about it, and the old uh, Bills offense comes back. And you're a, a ride or die for life Bills guy, right? So like, oh yeah, you got, you got flags hanging out front of the house, and Sundays are a big day. Oh yeah, they. Uh, I wasn't too uh, <laughs> too invested into them. My, my wife says she can't watch the games of me anymore. So <laughs> just uh, me being me screaming at the TV most of the time. But um, but that's how I've always been, right? I, you got to take the you got to start enjoying the years are good because I mean for what twenty years they were terrible. So. <laughs> True. True. So, um, how was uh, how were the holidays with uh, your wife and kids? Was it a good time? Good. Oh yeah. It's, it's a blast. You know, you, you see, you know, how much fun the kids have and how much they love and every, everything about the holidays. And, uh, you know, it's good that, you know, it was, they fell on a weekend this year. So it was kind of good for, uh, you know, wife's my, uh, my wife could, um, be there, you know, and have to work the next day. So, um, that was great. You know, obviously holidays are busy you know, in my house with, you know, three little ones and, but uh, it's it's the best, man. Just watching them, how excited they are Christmas morning. Did you get to hang around with Brother Frank at all? Uh, he he lives out in California. Oh, does uh, he in now? Sac- in, in Sacramento, he's been there. Oh God, um, probably right when he right, right right around the time he stopped playing. So I think that was what oh no, that would have been 2011, maybe. I'm not I'm not too sure uh, what year he stopped, but. Um, yeah, so he, what last time I saw him is he came in town for a, uh, bill or the bills, Miami game week four, actually. Right. Um, so he came into town for that and, uh, he, he got inducted into the Albany athletic hall, hall of fame. So he came in, did that, went to a game, stayed a week. So Sweet. just tough. It's just tough, you know, trying yeah. to get, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a far trip and. I'll see him this year when we play in Vegas. So we kind of be nice to see him again. Well, make sure you, you say hi to him for us. Yeah, because for sure. He was, he was a legend. Uh, obviously the residences are great people. Uh, we were kind of joking. You're 11 years in now. Um, the body's taken a bit of a, a beating over these years and, and you're finding ways to stay active and, and stay healthy and, and have the ability to continue to play. But 
would you have ever thought that you were on the precipice of, of the record you got to and, and the, the last few years that you've had in your career? Uh, you know, no, there, uh, honestly, there wasn't a thought that, uh, that, that I, where I, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So it's, um, you know, it's cool. You know, I, it just, the way I look at it is just, it's a lot of that to do with, you know, hard work, um, and believing in yourself, right. I, I, I kind of a long journey, um, you know, coming to the league, right. Having to prove myself, um, as an American, even though I played box growing up, you know, obviously adjusting to the professional game is, is obviously a huge, uh, huge step. So, um, it was kind of a, it was kind of a process, you know, just kind of a, somebody I had to keep working at each every year. And, um, and it's finally I realized I had to do something to keep, to make myself better. And, you know, that was doing everything I can off the floor. That's been being in the gym five, five days a week, yeah. um, you know, eating right. Um, and just, you know, I played with so many, you know, hall, hall of famers, you know, in those early years that, you know, I started watching him. You know, I started watching a guy like Dan Dawson, you know, how he brings about, about himself day in and day out. You know, you know, lacrosse wasn't, you know, just a hobby. It was his, you know, it was his life, right? And seeing how good he was, obviously, he was a, you know, freak talent and one of the best players ever. But seeing how someone at the top of their game, one of the top players in the league, goes about his daily uh, routine, um, that just opened my eyes a lot. And, um, you know, I realized that I can be better, you know, obviously there's, you can't be satisfied with, you know, how you are. So, you know, it's, I didn't look at it that way. Um, younger in when I was younger mm -hmm. in the, in the NLL, um, I wish I did. And, um, you know, each and every year now that I'm getting older, you know, I try doing a, a little bit more to, you know, help my body and just trying to keep up playing at this level as long as I can. Uh, you've got three 100-point seasons. A fourth one this year would give you three in a row. Uh, consistent minutes really leads to more confidence in any player's game. How would you rate your game here in year 11? Uh, I would say probably the best it's, you know, Ben, just because, you know, I, I've kind of – I got that confidence rolling. Um, you know, I, I know that if I put my – you know, I play my game, I put my mind – to where it should be for games, you know, I, I think I'll be, I'll be okay. And, um, you know, just being around a great team too. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I've been surrounded by a lot of great players over those 11 years and, you know, you know, all that success, you know, personal stuff that, um, I've had is a lot, it's all to do with them and having awesome coaches to that believe in me. The losses of blaze Rude and Holden Katoni to injury has opened up the doors for a few guys in your team like Sam McClair and, and Tanner Buck to slide into some action, I love the next man up mentality. It's you know one of the big cliches in sports these days. But how impressed have you been with those two young guys really stepping up into pivotal roles for you in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's been awesome, right? You know, you lose your captain, you lose Holden and Blaze, and back to back games, man. And, mm -hmm. and right, they're such important pieces, right? They're elite players in this league, um, and you know they they're easily putting 30 goals, you know, in the net a season. So losing them like that back to back, I mean, I guess the plus it was early and they will be back. Um, but right. You don't want to, you know, think that and be like, all right, you know, what are we going to do now? Right. It's that next, next man mentality. And, um, you know, like you said, Samuel Leclerc, he, 
had a full season, full, you know, 18 game season. And you could see just the more reps, like you said, the more reps, the more confident you get in your game. And right. I don't think people really see what Samuel LeClaire does mm. for our offense. You know, what he does for, you know, me and Ben McIntosh on our right side. Um, he's a guy, you know, obviously, you know, he's, he's putting the ball in there right now, but you know, last year, right. You know, scoring a goal, you know, here and there. And, but, him just cutting through the middle, him getting loose balls, him drawing penalties. Like that was just getting me and Benny open. And, you know, people don't see how important players are like that. And, you know, now that we were, you know, missing two key goal scorers, right. He's been awesome. And, you know, take a Tony's another one that, mm. you know, has came in the same thing last year got a, got more confident, the more games he played and, you know, he's translating that well in. And then, uh, yeah, obviously Bucky came coming in like that. Right. Um, Played his first game against Albany, kind of signed him that week, and um, you know it's it's tough just going in right away, and you know just to go out and join a new team just like off the street like that. Yeah. And you know you saw how he settled in last week, right? Once you put that first one in, and uh, you know he's a talented player. You know he's got some of the best hands around, and um, you know he stepped up big last game for us. What was the biggest intangible that Mitch Jones brought with him when he joined the club last season? There's, there's so many things, right? I mean, I would say just like his passion for the game, right? I know you, you, we can talk about how dynamite of a player he is, right? Because I think everyone sees, you know, he's one of the top five players in this league easily. And But people don't see like how with his passion for the game, right? He wants to win. He's a leader, right? He just knows the game through and through. And, you know, you know, like the stuff you see behind, you know, obviously closed doors is you see how much he wants it. Right. And that's kind of like him, him coming into there, you know, well, I don't know, five games in last year and just him able to just perform the way he did. That just shows you the type of player he really is because joining a new team like that and just, you know, making it look easy, right. Putting average in what, six, seven points a game on a night. Right. That's, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, and obviously with a full camp and, you know, our full, you know, we were relatively new, all new playing with each other last year. And, you know, I thought by the end of the year last year, we were hitting our stride really well. Just unfortunately, we didn't make the playoffs, but um, we had that full camp and we had it holding in. Right. And you just that first game, you saw how we were fire, uh, firing on all cylinders and um, we just got to get back there. Right. You know, it's we just, you know. Hopefully we get, you know, the two guys back soon. Um, but if, you know, if not, right, we, we prove that we can do it with, you know, gets a really good Halifax team, right? And, you know, we weren't in a good spot in that game for her staff. You know, honestly, I think that game of, you know, Higgy doesn't stand on his head. A lot of those saves were, were getting blown out. So um, he saved that game from getting ugly earlier and our training stopped up and then our offense heated up. So it's a good confidence booster, right, for – confidence you know get our swagger back a little bit going into this game yeah those were sort of the next three points i want to hit on let's start in between the pipes with ziggy uh, 53 saves against halifax you know you didn't do him a lot of favors in making him see so many shots as, as a collective group but he has been a huge part of your guys success in the turnaround you have had how important is it to, to keep believing in him and keep showing him that confidence i mean he's the heart soul of our team right i mean you know what he's done for, you know, last year, especially, right. How many games he's carried us, right. Where our offense wasn't clicking, um, 
you know, we were taking penalties. There was one guy that always played his game, who always stood on his head, and that was Higgy. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the goals we gave up, um, you know, offense giving up breakaways and obviously some, you know, tough. I don't want to chirp the D really, but, you know, obviously I'm, I'm an O guy, but, you know, obviously just bad bounces off rebounds, off shots, yeah. right? And just stuff like that, right? And it's stuff that the players, right, we should be correcting that we – don't put him in those situations, right? Because, you know, he, he's – we're giving up all these breakaways. He's standing on his head like that, you know, and – right? And that just fires you up. And it just makes you want to work even harder for someone like that, right? That you know that you got the confidence that this guy's going to save the ball, right? Now it's just our our part to, you know, do our jobs. IDA, Marcus Minichiello, and Alex Pace all score in transition in that first half. They helped keep you guys in it when, when the offense was struggling. How impactful was that scoring from the back end? And did it kind of give you guys a bit of a boost for the second half? It did, big time, right? First uh, first period, right, they, you know, they were pressing us really hard and we were in trouble with the press. Um, and we were down, I don't, I don't know how many goals at the time, but, um, but getting the goal, Goals from Isaiah, uh, getting the getting Minnie's got getting his first goal, uh, and obviously Pacer, his homecoming, getting a big goal too. Right, that those type of things we need. Right, last year we weren't really getting that um, those training goals. I think our training's been pretty pretty good this year so far, and um, that's adding Mikey McConnell, um, you know, Scotty Scotty Domini and um, Mitch Armstrong. Right, so we had a lot of speed on the back end that. Right, you see the teams that are usually playing, and you know the four last teams are all transition is incredible. Right, they're you know, a team like Toronto. Right, they're getting sometimes six other D guys are scoring one game, and their offense is clicking. Right, so those are that's a key part to the game is transition. Right, the transition battle, whoever wins is usually coming out on top. So, um, right, getting those goals are huge. Right, especially when they're struggling and kind of narrowed that gap. Um, you know, they were going on runs. They were had a couple of big runs and, you know, I think we answered pretty well. Right. And before it could have got ugly. So, um, but yeah, those are, those are huge. Right. And I, I think Jonesy had two and tranny as well. Yeah. Um, on the, and Sammy. So, I mean, our transition was awesome. Right. Our offensive guys just getting open energy. You guys find them. Uh, it was 10, six and a half. Was there any panic at all for the final 30? Uh, I was just kind of like, all right. Um, you know, wake up. Right. Mm. Like I think we kind of came out obviously a little sluggish, right? I don't know if it was the bye week holidays. Um, it's a tough place to play in Halifax, right? That was a sellout crowd. It was awesome. Um, but, you know, we started getting momentum in the second half. There's good things to build off of, right? And that's kind of what, you know, the coaches were preaching, what we were saying to each other, right? We're, we're right there, right? We just can't have any momentum swings, right? Sell the box as much as we can, obviously, and play our game, right? Um, Right. Once we got that first one off the, you know, uh, start of the uh, second half, which is kind of another thing we were preaching, like, all right, we got to get the first one right. And then we built and we we kept uh, we, we fought back. Right. They scored a couple. I think they got up by two late and uh, we just kept fighting. Right. We we didn't want to be one and three um, this early in the year. Yeah. And um, right. Obviously, you want to play your best lacrosse uh, at the end of the year. Um, but, you know. You, you lose a couple games early, right? Those come back to bite you. And that happened to us last year where we dropped a couple games where we were in control. And, you know, come time the end of the year, we were in a bad spot. So it, it was good to pull that one off. 
Jeff McComb had a, a great track record, track record coming over from Saskatchewan. Uh, as you kind of mentioned, taking everybody some time to grasp his offense. Despite the injuries, you guys are moving the ball really well. The power play is starting to heat up. When you look at the, the, the X's and O's, how brilliant is Jeff McComb at what he does? Oh, he's like a mad scientist, man. He, uh, right. There's always, there's always a way for you to improve your game, which is awesome with, with Bubs. Um, right. You know how the ball is always moving. Everyone's doing something, right? No one stands still. Everyone's doing some hard ones, moving off ball, setting picks. Everyone's chiming and doing each, each and every spot of the, of the offense. And, you know, obviously, you know, teams have, you know, tried to figure that out, you know, playing against us, but there's, you know, we always have a wrinkle that we can throw in that works. And right. It's just, it's awesome to have those in the back of your, you know, in your back pocket, right. If teams start, you know, preparing a certain way, right. We have this that we can throw at them and, you know, hopefully that throws them off. And, um, you know, and last year coming in, you know, a lot of guys relatively new to the whole you know system and everything. Um, but you see how, you know, once you get comfortable with it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's working pretty, pretty good and pretty special right now how it's working. So, um, but yeah, we just got to keep, uh, you know, playing for him, right? He's going to get us in the right spots. We just got to execute it and put the ball in the net. Obviously coming into the game, um, there was a lot of talk about the record. Did you realize how close you were as that game went on and was it talked about at all? Um, I found out about like a month. I mean, probably the first week of season, it was it was mentioned, and I you know I, I didn't really think too much into it. Right? It's at this point, my you know I've never been a guy that's really looking you know to make record like you know for personal um, accolades or anything like that. Right? You know, I want to be remembered for winning championships. Obviously, um, you know it's a it's a great honor to be just in the same category as Casey. Um, he was an idol of mine growing up. He was a hero to so many kids, uh, my generation. And, um, right. And I could only dream of the things that, uh, <laughs> he was, a, he could do, right. I, I'm sure he could go out there and still put up four, four goals a night in the NL right now. So, um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, being the same category as him, it's, it's special, but, um, but yeah, I just, I didn't really try to think too, too much into it, right? You know, if, you know, whenever it happens, it happens, right? I'm just worried about, you know, doing anything I can to help win, win the game. You kind of downplay it. And you're still kind of downplaying it now <laughs> in that post-game interview. Um, but what what does this record mean to you now that it's sort of sunk in? You're the all-time most scoring American ever in the NLL. It's, uh, you know, honestly, it still hasn't really, I guess, sunk in. Um just because you're right, you know, you only dream about being in situations like this growing up. That, and this is something honestly that you know never really I thought would ever happen. And um, you know, just to see what the type of player you know Casey is, and how how, how did I ever think I'd ever be in that category? Sim is it's wild, and um, you know, it just I guess the message I put out there, you know, it's. If you, if you keep working hard towards something, um, you know, this is my 11th year and all I want to keep doing is playing this game as long as I can. Right. I've been to sports been in my life since I was three years old. Um, you know, other than being a, you know, being a father and a, and a husband, you know, 
is first, right? But you know, lacrosse is my second love to that. So um, it's just it's it's still bringing it all in. Um, you know, just being in the same category as a legend like Casey. Was Casey always your guy growing up? Yeah, I, I had a my field guy was Casey, and then when he started playing box, I was like, all right, this is awesome. <laughs> um, but um, you know, my. I, I, I mean, uh, it was Casey and then JT, obviously, right? Yeah. Season tickets to the band that's grown up as a kid. And, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to watch two of the best lacrosse players ever play the game growing up. And, you know, I, I took advantage of, you know, like having, you know, that dream, right, that I kept working. You know, I thank my parents and my brother, you know, that kept had that belief in me and kept making me, you know, try to make me the best player I possibly could be. And, um, you know, they – the amount of endless, you know, hour weekends and that they took traveling, you know, they worked nine to five Monday through Friday and then weekends they would be up in Canada or we'd be, you know, Syracuse, you know, Maryland, right. Playing. Right. And that's, I owe all that just to that hard work they made me go through. Right. I obviously there's times I didn't want to do it. You know, it's kind of like any kid, I guess. Yeah. Um, growing up, but you know, uh, looking back, right. I, I'm so thankful that I, was able to do all that. Obviously the, the game of lacrosse will be on the, the world's biggest stage at the Olympics in 2028. Um, the world championships are coming to Ithaca next summer. How have you seen the landscape of UX us box continue to grow uh, since you've been in the league? It's, it's the growth it's been. So when I, since I came in and my rookie year, I think there was about eight of us and there's nine teams, right? So there wasn't, there was slim pickings of, uh, Americans and um, seeing that when the league started expanding, right, they're, they're open more opportunities for more, you know, the big, uh, big, big name uh, American field players to come in and mm -hmm. try this out. And I think you see guys like Tom Schreiber, uh, you know, Connor Fields, Trevor Baptiste, these guys that have just came in and just dominated the way they have, right. That shows you that, you know, if you could come in here and do this, right. It's not, obviously it's a big change. Obviously a completely different sport to what a lot of kids will be used to. Um, but just seeing that growth of seeing these big name, you know, players coming in and how the success they've been having. Right. And that's translate. That's been translating each and every year, man. The more Americans are coming in, they're finding success. Right. And, you know, obviously translating that to um, the world games next year or this year, obviously, I'm sorry. Um, right. I, this is, this is going to be obviously the best team we've had. I mean, yeah, we're loaded with top to bottom with NLL stars. Right. And so, you know, obviously the goal is to get to the gold medal game, right. That's something we haven't, uh, has ha haven't, hasn't happened yet. I don't believe in years past. Um, but that's something, right. That's, that's on all our minds. The guys that have been there for, it's my third one, right? So my goal is, you know, this is probably my last one, obviously. So um, my goal is to get the gold medal game, right? I think this is a team, right? We've, U.S. Lacrosse has been dominating in box game. You know, a lot of guys coming in, and Reggie Thorpe's done an amazing job attracting everybody in, too. So um, this is it's going to be special this year, and, you know, I think we're going to make some noise. And it's not a far drive from your hometown either. Oh, well, yeah, it's about – it's about a three-hour drive. Not bad yeah. at all. So it'll be good to good to get the family out, right? They'll be able to come watch. And, you know, obviously I wish I'd be 
it'd be cool to go to a spot like England or something, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I'll take upstate New York. I'll take upstate New York. You've had well. Langley, you've had Onondaga, <laughs> and then you've had Ithaca. <laughs> Some great spots, but not exactly Prague yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Sunday, a matinee with the Riptide. Uh, you guys have a pretty solid record against them in the past, uh, and they are struggling. Some could call this a bit of a trap game, but how do you mentally prepare yourself for a Sunday game against a team you know you should probably beat and knowing in the back of your mind that the Bills are taking on the Dolphins? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I was just thinking that too. Like, what's Thankfully, I can watch the game later. Yeah, know, true, true. Thankfully. But... Um... Right, they're 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 anybody can beat anybody on any day, right? Yeah. At this level, and they're a good team. I mean, they got a lot of good players on that team, right? The ball just hasn't been bouncing their way, right? They got hands on the best player in our sport in the world right now, um, and you know he can get hot at any moment he wants, right? So mm-hmm. we got to try to limit that as much as possible. It's, I mean, obviously, it's probably not going to be the easiest. He's going to get his chances and his goals, but. Um, but we, we got to just stay composed. We got to build off what we did in the second half, right? We got to play with our backs against the wall because um, they're going to come out with nothing but, you know, swinging, right? They, yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be mad, right? You don't, you never want to be winless at this point in the season, right? So they're going to come out swinging, right? They got a lot of veteran guys that have been in this league a while that I can tell you that it's bugging them, right? And, you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, anyone to be in that situation would be thinking the same thing. So we're expecting, uh, then they come out swinging, right? You know, that's, you know, they get a lot of good looks. I mean, you know, Toronto is a very good defense. So, you know, last week, you know, that probably didn't score as much as they like, but, you know, they, we got to expect that they're going to come out swinging. 11 seasons, 167 games played, 676 points. Not bad for a kid from Hamburg, New York. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, uh, Never thought I'd be, you know, sitting here 11 years later playing and, you know, still, you know, enjoying the game I love, right? And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, a couple of years from now, hopefully I'm still playing. But, you know, I'm glad I could, my kids can see me, you know, play, you know, and they'll remember this, right? And whether, whether they play this sport or not, um, you know, I just want them to see what hard work will do and pay off for you if you set your mind to something. 20 years, they might be on the American women's box team at a world championship playing for gold. I know that's uh, obviously that's in the back of my mind. <laughs> so that's something I'm, I'm slowly not trying to bug them getting into it. My five-year-old's, uh, you know, the one that's going to probably be able to play this summer. So I'm going to see what she does. I know she's, she's kind of into the, in the big into sports. So I, she's going in the right direction already. So. Just get her up in Ontario playing in the summer league. She'll be just fine. Oh, yeah. That's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joey, I appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. Uh, Congratulations. I I love the scenes in the locker room after the game, obviously, uh, compounded by the big win. But uh, the chants of Buffalo Joe were were high and mighty. Uh, Congratulations on the record. Very well and hard-earned. You deserve it. I'm so, so happy for you. Uh, Good luck the rest of the way, my man. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, there's Buffalo Joe. Um, what is it about his game? And we, you know, we've talked about it, but what is it about his game now as he's matured that you continue to like? I think he just he he sees the game happening and and anticipates really well. One of one of one of the assists he had just kind of 
almost like a spot feed to a lefty curling around. I'm blanking on who he fed it to, but it, it, like the look was there. He kind of backdoored the guy. Um, maybe it was Mitch Jones coming around, but kind of backdoored the guy. Wasn't Joe didn't see him in time. And then he kind of floated up and, and Resiterch just threw it to a spot that forced mm. It might have been Grennan, actually, who came around and caught it and then shot and scored. And it's just like that kind of, hey, I'm going to trust my teammates, but I'm also going to direct where they're going to go by passing the ball where I need them to be. Yeah. Um, I think that like anticipating the game and, and almost not forcing it, but like making the game happen based on what he sees. I think that's why he's, the, the you know, holds the record for, for most American points. All right, week six, uh, Philadelphia is in action with some Sunday fun day lacrosse, but it gets started on Saturday night. Halifax going into Albany, always a tough road trip. Obviously, Halifax coming off that heartbreaking loss to Philadelphia in overtime. The Birds are 2-1, and one, Albany 4-0. and oh. um, Halifax hasn't had much success against Albany. I think they're 3-1, and one, and Dougie Jameson is their kryptonite. Dougie is getting back to... MVP candidate, goalie of the year candidate, Doug Jamison. I think he might get outdueled by Alex Simmons for the MVP. But when he is hot, there's not many goaltenders better than Dougie. He's just, uh, you know, it, it's his positioning. He doesn't flop around, like kind of like similar to what I said about Nick Rose earlier. Like he's not making these crazy flashy saves, but he's not letting the tricklers squeak through five hole. He's not letting the ones that he should save from the outside get in. And and that in this league, those two to three goals that you're like, I should have had that when those go in night in or night out or, or even every couple games, it's really hard to have confidence as a defender. And the fact that he doesn't let those in and, and then makes a bunch of other saves that probably shouldn't make. Yeah. The defense starts being like, okay, we got this. We can let them take the outside shots we want. We can kind of pack it in and, and then push transition and do some other things that, that mm-hmm. give you a lot more success offensively. And clearly the offense is clicking for them. Yeah, there's no they don't they haven't been getting those deflating goals like we, we saw in the, the Colorado Vancouver game when some of those like even even the Philadelphia Halifax game guys were just flogging the ball from outside on Warren Hill and they were going in and that just you can see the defenders heads just drop and then that makes them have to collapse in more because they want to get in lanes and not let those shots go so the defense has to change. But the way that Dougie is playing, making those routine saves that you expect a goalie to make, those give defenses so much confidence, like you said. But what have you made from Simmons and Kurtz? Like, I don't want to lead too much into what my hot take next week is going to be, but these two have been absolutely phenomenal in their first year. Unbelievable. I, and I, I was thinking about this earlier. It's it's always early on when you're a rookie in this league, an offensive rookie, I feel like people don't have the book on you. Clearly yeah. they've seen, you know, they've seen these guys play in junior or senior. Um, they've seen them play in college, but until you actually get out there and have to defend someone and see what they can do against an NLL goalie and an NLL defense, like it's similar to what I feel about goalies is it takes some time to get a good scout on a guy. And yeah. Alex Simmons has, and Ted Kurtz for that matter, have, have been making a living off of people not having a full scout on them yet. And the real question, I think what determines whether players become great or not is can you continue to adapt when people do get the scout on? Yeah. And I think, you know, look at the guy that outside of uh, more of a field guy, but like Matt Rambo, when he came in, I'm like, oh, people are going to get the scout. He's big, he's strong. And, you know, they're going to get the scout on him and he's not going to be able to do anything, but he continued to have success yeah. because he he just got better at those skills and, and then added complementary skills. So, you know, the true, the 
time will tell. But so far, these guys have been doing an unbelievable job and kind of shooting with no conscience for Alex Simmons, yeah. and it's been working. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, a huge game for Halifax. They, they need a win. They need to get that confidence back. They would take them to three and one. Can, can Albany uh, keep this hot start going? Uh, a fantastic game to start the weekend. Panther City is at Georgia. The Swarm are playing unbelievable. Brett Dobson um, has been phenomenal. But even though they got blown out bad by Vancouver, I've just been really impressed with this defense. Um, you know, Wiedemann, Manley, Kaysen Tarbell, TJ Camizio. Um, we joked with Eddie Camo when we were talking to him before the game about it's a bit of a no-name defense. You know, it, it's there's no real stars, even though there are some elite defenders. But when you get to the sort of end of the year awards, most of those guys aren't ever in the conversations. But the way, much like Dougie, the way Brett Dobson is playing right now, that defense is playing with a ton of confidence, which in turn spurs their offense. How impressed have you been with Georgia in their start despite that blip in Vancouver? To, to me, it really just it, – it feels very similar to that 2017 team we had back when we won it where it's like everyone has a little bit – it's like that – you remember the old game ice hockey where you've got like the tall, skinny guy, the short, yeah. fat guy, and then yeah. – like they have all the right mix of pieces um, defensively. And then Dobson's been playing out of his mind. But yeah. but then Lyle and, and then Shane kind of this really exploding back onto the scene against Buffalo of like Shane doing Shane things, just doing the dirty work, finishing when he catches inside. Um, and then Seth Oaks kind of stepping up, Q stepping up. There's, there's just like a lot of good fitting pieces to the puzzle. Um, and it's all coming together, which which is what you hope for as you get into the midway and then later into the season. So it's great that they've been doing that. And then Jordan, Jordan McIntosh, the advanced stats on him, just, I think he's like only been scored on one time when defending or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's an elite defender in the national crossing and, and he continues to do so. Um, but Panther city on the other side of the ball, uh, they just haven't been able to play 60 minutes uh, this year. They did get that win early on. But when you uh, against Vancouver, where just everything went their way, especially when they called Callum Crawford washed. But then their two losses, they just haven't put 60 minutes together. And that can be a sign of a young team still trying to figure things out. But it's not very indicative of of a Tracy Kaluski coach team. What do you make of Panther City and, and can they turn this around? I mean, my notes in my notes, I have who is Panther City Lacrosse Club? Like, <laughs> like what is their what is their defining thing and I don't mean that in a disparaging way I'm like what is their identity um and I think they've got good players they've got good talent they've got great coaches but like what is going to be what is going to be their their identity and and who they are and I think they had that last year they were kind of like that chip on their shoulder underdog mentality but how long can you retain that and and how much can you uh can you use that like I think they have to figure out who their identity and what their identity is and this is a great weekend to do it against Georgia um but yeah, I think it's like they they've got to they've got to they've got to get a you know a slogan that people start talking about. Maybe not one that's on shirts, but one that other people start yeah, talking about. Exactly. Uh, the final game on Saturday, a rematch of the past two NLL championships. Always going to be a fantastic game, but two teams that are kind of spinning their tires in the mud right now. Colorado and Buffalo both one and two. This game in Banditland, the best one of the best environments in all of sports. I'm very interested to see how this game goes down because if if Dylan Ward does play and he's not 100, 
It could be a long night for Colorado, but it could be a get-right game for this Buffalo offense. It could be – I think it will be a clash of Titans as often we see. But I just don't know how this game is going to go and it all relies on Dylan Ward. How about the fact that one of these teams is going to be one in three after this? Game? That to me True. is the standout. Like somebody is one in three four games into the season, almost a quarter of the way through the season after this weekend. And um, and these are the two teams that met in the championship last year. Yeah. So uh, that that is like this is almost like a it's not about winning this game. It's about not losing this game. Yeah. Uh, but but obviously both teams want to want to want to get get on the right track i mean colorado's just like the team that never goes away they just you're like okay we got them they're good or like who's going to step up and then all of a sudden robinson scores four crazy goals or yeah McLaughlin scores like with like 0.001 seconds left and they just they find ways to get it done um and like you said buffalo is just needs to find their mojo but when you got seventeen thousand behind you you know sometimes sometimes that can help it can, but you know, as we saw in that Georgia game, then it was rare to see Buffalo lose a game late, uh, especially at home. So if Colorado can stay around, and whether it's Wardo or TC, we've obviously seen that TC can handle the load. It'll just be how that defense can handle the offense of this Buffalo Bandit squad, because you know they're not happy with only averaging eleven goals a game. But yeah, seventeen thousand. Buffalo's been phenomenal, and their fan base is for a long time. We've had probably one of the best attended weekends in the National Crossing this past weekend. Uh, so we'll see how week six goes. The final game, Sunday, fun day, the Riptide at Wings. We kind of talked about the Wings uh, a little bit earlier on. So let, I want to get your ideas and thoughts on this New York Riptide team because you obviously see them more than most. Um, you watch them more than most. 0-3, they haven't looked great at times. They've looked decent at times but you know much like so many of these other teams that are struggling they can't put 60 minutes together and and i don't think it's all on dunkerley i don't think it's all on the offense it's a little bit of everything for dan lettisor's club yes some something's got to change right it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and Mm -hmm. and i think to me, the, the things that jump out is like they, they do get good looks inside, but their inside finishing has not been strong. They, they've got these one-on-one looks and then they just don't score. Like that can be an issue for a couple, like a game here and there, but it can't be systemic. You got to figure out, okay, do we need, do we get an inside guy or what do we change to be able to score those, those one-on-one goals with goalies? And then the other, the other big thing that jumps out offensively to me is, they don't really have like that that like kamikaze dodger that just goes and draws doubles and triple teams. Mm-hmm. You got Jeff Teed who handles the ball and makes the smart play and will dodge very hard, but he's not drawing triple double teams do, like the Audi stats where he's got like five guys hanging yeah, out yeah. or the Grennan who will just roll through guys. Um, I think that's one thing that they're missing. But then it's like, okay, did, how do you change something schematically? Because the other thing is when they don't score those one-on-one opportunities – they're getting crushed in reverse transition. Yes. And so it's like when your offense doesn't work and you're giving up goals from offense to defense, it's like a doubling down. And that, that's where that's where it becomes, you know, you turn a mountain or a molehill into a mountain and it's really hard for the defense to play defense and play transition defense. Yeah, and, and you could see the – and you could literally hear the frustration uh, from Jeff Teat in that game against Toronto when every one-on-one shot he had with Rosie, Rosie was making a save or, or he was missing it. You could literally hear – him verbally frustrated and you can see the frustration in his kind of body language 
as that game went on. But then he started to score some goals and, and the Riptide started to kind of claw back in that game. But when you go down 8-1 to Toronto, it's going to be a long night. You're, you're not going to get a lot of easy goals on Rosie. So I think they just – they need a get-right game and they need it quick. I don't know if a Sunday game at Philadelphia is that, but it will be interesting to see how they battle. And, you know, we – in circles, we've been talking, what does Rich Lisk do with this group? Like if Dan Latasura continues and this team continues to lose, is Dan the one on the hook? Is it Jason Crosby, the OC? You know, or is it going to be everybody? Do you have any sense of, of what might get done there? Or have you thought about it at all? I, I literally kind of went through the exact same checklist is like, what, you know, what, what changes have to happen? It's got to be, either schematic, right. Or it's gotta be personnel. And does that personnel come at the player level or at the coaching staff level? And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard because I don't think, like I said, they've been getting good looks. They just haven't finished, but how many times can you do that? At at what point does that become a player problem versus is that a, is that a strategic problem? It's, it's really hard to say. And, um, I was actually going to ask you, yeah, if you could, if you could plug one player, if you were going to, play the role of rich list GM you don't have to trade anything. This is just, you can pull anyone from any team and you're putting them on the riptide offense who you taking and why? Uh, well, f- honestly, I think I would move, first of all, I think I would move Moose back to transition where he kind of does his best. I-, I didn't like them releasing Matt Anderson. Not that he would change things. Um, I-, I really thought they were going to go get a guy like Mac O'Keefe, but again, he doesn't fill that need, but if it, yeah, if I could pick and pull anybody, I, I would give them Austin's thoughts. Yeah. Um, just for what you said, they don't have a true power forward, a bull dodger, a guy that's going to mix things up, get into the heart of the defense, cause three, four guys to slide to him. Um, you know, even even like a, a Katoni or um, like a Rambo, like just somebody that that can draw eyes. They need the 16-pound bowling ball. They got yeah, a big exactly. bowling ball that no one plays with to get in there. Yeah, exactly. Knock over all the pins. Yeah, so you know it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting what Rich List do if if they drop to zero and four. You're right; they have to make a decision, especially personnel wise. I, I don't think there's a goalie out there, and, and Dunks is gonna you know grow and be better. He's just like any young NLL goaltender. It's gonna take them some time. Um, so it, I, I, like I said, I don't think that's the issue. I think if they can beef up their offense, that's a huge boost. Um, but I really think that unfortunately, if they do go to Owen four, the first, you know, moves that will probably made will be personnel on the bench. So, uh, we will see still a long way to go, but starting the season, Owen four in a unified standing, isn't the greatest for your culture and your club, especially one that's trying to build that culture on Long Island. Um, I talked about this at the start. I want to get your thoughts on the unified standings. Do you think it's a good thing? And who does it benefit most? I actually just was thinking about this on my drive into work today. I think it benefits goalies the most, number one, um, because I, as I mentioned about rookies, goalies, those guys take a couple years to develop because seeing shooters in games is how goalies get the book on someone and understand tendencies and how they get good in this league. That's why Matt Vince is so good. He's faced every shooter that's playing right now, multiple times, right? Alex Simmons hasn't seen him that much. He gave up a bunch of goals to Alex Simmons. Makes sense. Um, But I think 
I think goalies are going to be able to see every single team now. So they're going to get better faster, yep. uh, which I think is, is going to help with goaltending in the league and making it maybe, maybe a little bit more even. Um, I love it is the bottom line. I, I love that everyone plays everyone. I think it's cool. I, I was just looking through team schedules this week to be like, Oh, this is when they play them. This is when they're going to go out there. And, and I yeah. think, I'm I'm a little bit jealous. I never got the opportunity as a player because there were some places I only got to play once or twice that I was right. like, man, I would have loved to be able to actually go out to Vancouver a couple times over my career. Yeah. Um, so from those two standpoints, I think it's great. And from the fans' perspective, obviously exactly what they want, right? Be able to see the teams, every team in the league within two years. Yeah, that's the best part about it. Like you're and and the rivalries. I'm, I'm, I still don't know how they're going to pick those extra games. Uh, that teams have to play each and every year. But um, I just love the fact that, you know, as a fan of lacrosse, I get to see Lyle and Jeff T and, you know, Jake Withers and some of these guys that, you know, you usually don't get to see out here uh, every other year. So I, I think it's phenomenal. Obviously, you know, it's the first year we've done this. Um, I, I get it. There are those people who feel that it's just benefiting those powerhouse former Eastern clubs because they don't have to face each other as often. Uh, they don't have to beat up each other, but I think that just kind of makes it a level playing field for everybody because you got to beat everybody uh, to have a chance in this league. Uh, all right, some New Year's resolutions. Patty and I were just talking about this um, a couple weeks ago, and, and we've got one for every team. So I'm just going to list them through, and you tell me which one uh, you like the most. Uh, for the Albany Firewolves, they got to make the most of this hot start. Obviously, 4 0 is a huge boost to this club that not a lot of people thought. They had a chance this year, but they have to make the most of this and continue to roll. Uh, NLL stat came out. A team starting 4-0 has never missed the playoffs, so that would be huge for the Albany Firewolves. Buffalo, they got to get healthy on the back end. Too many defensive injuries are really costing this club. Calgary, a huge win over Las Vegas. They got to find their confidence again in that swagger. Obviously, a new head coach in Josh Sanderson, but the players are still the same, so they just got to start to get the motion going. Colorado can't sleepwalk through the regular season. Obviously, uh, uh, an unhealthy Dylan Ward doesn't help, but they got to be a better team through 18 games. Georgia continue to run in transition. It's been their strength all year. Uh, They have to keep that as a focal point. For Halifax, they got to stay consistent all year long. They can't have any sleeper games. They can't let teams like Philadelphia beat them when they have them down. Las Vegas, figure out how to reunite Jack Hanna. He had a slow start to the season. He was a big part in his rookie season last year. If he can get going, uh, they can really start to make some noise out there in Vegas. For New York, they we talked about it. They got to find some offensive explosiveness because they just don't have it right now. Panther City, again, we talked about it. They got to stop giving up fourth quarter leads because if you're doing that, you're not going to have success in the NLL. Philadelphia. I still don't know what happened with Alec Krepensek. Uh, maybe work, maybe personal. I don't know, but they got to find some transition scoring touch because it hasn't been there. Rochester, just got to go all in on, on Hutchcraft because I love Rylan Hartley, great young goaltender, uh, real bright future, but if his head ain't right, you cannot afford to put him in between the pipes. I think you shut him down. You ride Hutch. They went out and got Orleman as a backup, so let him be your number one. San Diego, much like Rochester, continued growth of Christian O'Riglieri. This young kid is going to see the minutes. He's going to get better. And if he can be the next Dylan Ward, which he plays like in time, I think they're going to be just happy with it. 
Uh, Zach Manns in Saskatchewan, let the man cook. Uh, he is my hot take this week where I said he's going to lead the National Lacrosse League in goals this year, uh, continuing to average over three a game. He has been fantastic. For Toronto, depth scoring can't just be Mark Matthews. they got to get it from everywhere else. And if they get Schreiber back, that will feel a little more normal. And for Vancouver, just keep believing in Kurt Miloski. He has a process. He has a game plan. It's not going to happen overnight. Just stick with the plan and they will be fine. So those are 15 New Year's resolutions for all our clubs. Do I have to pick one? Because I like a lot of those, but I'd like to submit one of my own. And I think yeah, that, of course. I think, you know, I'll do the, the, the Vancouver one I love. It's it's a process. It takes time. It's just such a knee-jerk reaction. They, they did this. We should immediately change this. This mm-hmm. happened. We should immediately scrap this. I feel like – that's absolutely true. Vancouver, it's going to take some time, but they got to start piecing it together and chipping yeah. away. Um, and then then one of my own, everyone needs to take a, a good hard look at what uh, San Diego is doing in their uh, equipment department because those huh. yellow helmets with the purple cages, I'm not even a gear guy. And I was like, yeah. that's sweet. That is fresh. Um, and and they're, home and away, they're home and aways are, are by far and away the best in the NLL right now. Their color scheme and the way they've done it with their helmets and their jerseys are, are just so good. So, so good. The, the purple cages on the helmets was just like the chef's kiss on cherry yeah. on top. Um, and then, you know, close second is the Halifax purple with the the lightning bolt and the and the, and the Thunderbird. I mean, those yeah. are just so simple. I love the simplicity of it. Those two clubs and as a non-gear guy they are far and away just just setting the tone for what the nll could be from a visual perspective do you like uh brett dobson's yellow cage it's it's bright it's bright <laughs> if it makes him play like that he can wear, he can wear whatever helmet he wants he can wear dominic Ashik helmet if he's yeah <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's get into the box bets parlay brought to you by our friends over at Coolbet and try to win you some New Year's money. Time now for box bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads, and uh, we're still in the mix, baby. Box bets time. Uh, Last week, we were oh so close. I would like the league to go back and do an audit on Andrew Q's game uh, because we had Joey Rez over six and a half points. He had seven. We had Westberg over five and a half. He had nine. We had Andrew Q over five and a half. He had five. Uh, There was one goal where a pass went to him. He didn't catch it. It tipped off his stick, went to Lyle in the middle, and Lyle scored. I was hoping they were going to count that as an assist, but unfortunately – it didn't work out in our favor. Um, so this week we're going to try again. And we put three different options out there for you, the fans, to vote on. Uh, we had a spread them line of Albany plus one and a half, Georgia minus one and a half, New York plus two and a half. Uh, second option was a straight up money line. Albany plus 120, Buffalo minus 208, and Philadelphia minus 200. And then goals galore, Colorado Buffalo over 22.5, Panther City, Georgia over 22.5, and New York Philly over 23.5. The winner, Albany 
money line, Buffalo money line, Philly money line, and you're getting Albany at plus money, which is mind blowing to me. So your box bets OTCB parlay this week, where you can get over at coolbet.com, is the money line. Albany, Buffalo, Philly, all to win. Uh, the line is up over on Coolbet. You can get the boosted odds. Thanks to our friends over at Coolbet. Um, if you want to play along, coolbet.com. Find the lacrosse tab. You can go to the bet on all the games. Player props will be up there. there multiple spreads, different totals. Uh, you can play along. And if you want to get involved, and it's your first time, uh, when you go to sign in, there'll be a green button. Log in, sign in. Then put on all your information at the bottom. There'll be one more for a bonus code. Press that. Type in OTCB. And our friends over at CoolBet will give you a double amount, up to $200 on your first deposit. So uh, lots of fun to be had over on CoolBet. Not just the National Lacrosse like all sports. I was sweating the Edmonton Oilers the other night. I needed Connor McDavid with an anytime goal that happened on his first shot. I needed the Oilers to win and for it to go over six and a half or five and a half goals, which it did. But I also needed McJesus to have three shots on net. He only had two. Guy's a bum. Um, but as always, uh, coolbet.com, stay cool, bet responsibly. Uh, are you much of a sport gambler, Mitch? I can't live like that, Teddy. I need no. uh, I need more certainty in my life. No, I can't. I can't uh, Connor McDavid, I can just enjoy his highlights. I can't let him control my destiny. <laughs> um, we've been running this total all year long uh, with Morgan's message and Brandon Robinson. The league is up to 618 goals. Uh, Patty and I are matching all bandit goals. They're at 33. So um, Brandon Robinson, who's now switched to a bit of a defensive role with the Buffalo Bandits, uh, is up to $618 donated towards Morgan's message and the help of mental uh, mental health and, and depression and all that stuff. So, again, a, a great cause. Morgan'sMessage.org is the website if you want to get involved and help out as well. Uh, what are you Teddy, looking forward to this weekend? Oh, what's Teddy, up? Put, put, me down for, put me down for two petite goal. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give the, the riptide. All right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll give the offense a little boost here. We'll put some money towards a good cause every time Jeff Teat lights the lamp all right we got that we got you in uh appreciate that and i'm sure the friends and people over at morgan's message will as well um so yeah week six quiet week six but some interesting games what are you most excited about i mean i i you know i as much as uh you got to be impartial in that role i i do have been working with the riptide for the last few seasons and i i want to see them get get a win because i do think for all that we've said earlier i think if they can get the offense rolling, they can find recipe f- for success with this group. Um, they just they just have to get kind of break through that wall. And I think playing against Philadelphia, a little bit of a banged up Philadelphia team at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, that could be exactly the elixir they need. So I would love for, for that to happen and, and kind of Laddie to, to get that spring back in his step and the offense to start finding their rhythm. Um, that's one thing I'm certainly looking forward to. And then you know, what happens with this Colorado Buffalo game? I think yeah. that's always, they're just, you get your popcorn ready for that one on Saturday <laughs> night. Cause they're always fireworks in those games. And, um, and it's a big one for, for whoever wins and whoever loses. Um, are you going to grab the boys and hop on the train to that Philly game or what? You know, I'm, co- I'm I got a game at three. My seventh grade Sixers team is playing. Oh. So we might have that on the bench, but <laughs> the iPad for replays. No, no, it's just the New York Philly. Game. <laughs> 
Um, I'm looking forward to obviously the Buffalo Colorado game. Like you said, get your popcorn ready, but Wiz versus Nardella at the Dodd Halifax and Albany, two of the best in the league. Um, how happy are you that Nards is healthy and playing well again? Just, just what a, what an awesome guy that Joe Nardella is. And as soon as, you know, as soon as I saw him back out there, I shot him a text and was like, so pumped to see you. And he's just, he's just a stand up guy. And I think, again, I want to see him play, you know, box lacrosse because he's a good yeah. box lacrosse player. He's not just a good face off guy, he's similar to Withers. Um, so this, that should be certainly a fun battle of dots since everyone knows that face offs don't even matter. <laughs> Um, of course, all the games will be on ESPN Plus and TSN Plus. What's your next game that you got up on deck? I will be back in the Nassau Coliseum Rafters on January 13th. What's the, that viewpoint like? Uh, it is – I mean, it's great. We're dead center, um, high up, right, right, right in the top of the – rink um but very desolate it's quiet up there. <laughs> not, a, not a whole lot of us it's me dave leno the crew and uh, some stats guys and dave leno's dad so we have a good time up there what's leno what's leno's dad do up there they just hang he, out he's just yeah he hangs out he's like <laughs> he's, he's our guy uh yeah we got a shout out to mr leno crushing it bob bob, um, bob leno regales us with stories of his his b-ball days in philly and it's a good there. time um do you look over at dave leno's notes and just blow your mind at his spotter board some of you know i get i get the opportunity to work with i think arguably two of the best play-by-play guys at least on the east coast we'll say teddy we'll, we'll keep it uh, keep it fair um and between brendan and dave you know the, they each have their own methodologies and i never could have the same methodology but, <laughs> but it works for them and they both are i feel feel really lucky to have such great partners because they make my job super easy even if um, their their boards make me want to uh, claw my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, Patty will be back next week. Uh, you can follow Mitch on Twitter at mblyle85. Uh, this was awesome catching up and, and having some good chats. I'm at Teddy Jenner. Patty is at P. Greggy. Uh, let him know he's been replaced. Uh, the show is at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Insta's at OTCB podcast. Thanks to Joey Rez, the all-time point getter in American born players. He is going to continue to climb his way up the standings of the greats. Enjoy the games. Week six is underway. It all starts on Saturday. We even have some Sunday fun day until we speak again. Stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outball.